Friends, let us go to God in prayer. Gracious God, we give you thanks this day for the way that you teach us how to love the world more deeply, but also the way that we have to struggle with living in this world, a world that tempts us and draws us away from you. We ask your blessing on this time, on our hearing of your word and our understanding of it. Amen. So it's, it's been three years since we gathered in this space for a Palm Sunday, which is very interesting to me because when we look at the different things that were impacted by the pandemic, this was one of the first, right? Palm Sunday was one of the first, and, <coughs> and as a result, we've missed two of them. So it's been, it's been a little while. Um, and I really missed it in 2020. I had been looking forward to it. Uh, I was telling some people earlier that I had this, this plan devised that we would wait to fix our carpet. So we had the old carpet, which meant we could bring the donkey in because there wouldn't be any issues. So the donkey was going to come in. I was told it wasn't going to happen, but the donkeys would be too scared. But I could dream, right? So I was ready. I was all excited in 2020. And It's interesting, though, because leading up to Palm Sunday in 2020, I experienced probably one of the most angry moments of my life, one of the most angry moments I've ever had. Irrationally angry, but also the kind of anger where you feel, and especially when you look back on it, that you were close to snapping. Do you know what I mean by that? You were, like, right at the edge. And it all had to do with palms. Palms. You see, for many years, like many churches, PCWS ordered our palms from one particular company. Everybody gets them from the same company. And they shipped them out all at once, always, and pretty darn close to Palm Sunday. And in years prior, my friends who were pastors of churches, they all shared the horror stories with the same company. Delayed delivery, moldy palms when they arrived, palms that arrived on Monday, you know, all sorts of problems. But in 2019, we had a just fine experience with the palms. They arrived on time. They were beautiful. I said to my friends, ha, 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 look at this. We've got our palms. So in 2020, in February, we ordered our palms from the same company before the pandemic. And then here we were. 2020 comes, the, the uh, shutdown happens on around March 15th or so, and we're in this early stage when even the skeptics were staying home, but only because they had nowhere to go, right? There was nothing for them to do. So everything's closed. And I had just sent out emails to everybody saying, come get your palms. They'll be ready. Come get your palms. Pick them up. We'll deliver them, I said. We'll come bring you palms. But there weren't any palms. Where were the palms? They should have arrived on Wednesday, and then it was Thursday. They were shipped. And finally, Terry and I had a tracking number. By, by, uh, by Tuesday, we had the tracking number, but no palms on Thursday. And Friday morning, the tracking said, delivery location closed, and I about lost it. I was there. I was there all day waiting for this delivery. There was a sign on the door that said, please leave deliveries. A second sign that specifically said, please leave the delivery from this company. And then it had the tracking number. I was freaked out. Irrationally, but increasingly angry. I kept calling FedEx. There were tears. I had tears over this, people. 
Irrational tears, but tears. There was colorful language, perhaps some of my most colorful. Where's the box? I went to multiple FedEx locations in the midst of those dystopian early days when no one was out on the road. Nothing. First I was told it was on a truck, then I was told it was back in distribution, then I was told it got sent back to the Palm people. Your location is marked as closed, they kept telling me, and I kept saying, but I'm here. I spent, I, I spent literally hours driving around to possible places where this box of palms could be. I even went looking to see if there were trees that I could <laughs> influence. So finally, on Friday night, Friday, I'm finally, Friday night, I get a hold of someone at FedEx who somehow is able to reroute this box to Walgreens. Did you know that you could do that? Did you know you could get FedEx deliveries at our Walgreens right here? So of all places, there I was on Saturday morning at Walgreens picking up this box of palms. I was not happy with those palms. Some were moldy, by the way, but not all of them. They were fine. But why did I react the way that I reacted? What was behind it? I'll confess that this pattern of, of frustration, of, of even anger, was repeated throughout the pandemic. Irrational anger at things I couldn't control. Frustration when Zoom had a complete outage one morning. Remember that one? Yeah. Disappointment when technology didn't cooperate despite practicing over and over again. Dwelling on mistakes that I made. I wonder if you've experienced this in your life. Anger and even sadness tied deeply to things you sometimes can't identify, but also sometimes tied to the care that you have for others, and perhaps, though, even tied to your own fears or anxieties. Fears and anxieties, again, about things over which you have very little or no control. So last week, I talked a little bit about how we process, how we respond to those feelings of anger. I had a, a realization when I was thinking, though, about those moldy missing palms that I ended up picking up from a pharmacy. My Palm Sunday anger made me less than charitable to strangers. It made me less empathetic. I was so worried about the impact of these missing palms on me, and perhaps even my reputation, that it caused me to lose track and lose sight of what those palms meant. What they meant. What they were all about. What they symbolized. What they were supposed to be for me today, for us today. But then something very interesting happened. Our liturgist that morning over Zoom, that Palm Sunday morning, was Condi Dixon. Condi, in his usual way, greeted everyone enthusiastically, and then he said, I missed the real donkey today on Palm Sunday, and I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, me too. But next thing you know, and I don't know if anyone remembers this, but next thing you know, a colorful donkey appears on the screen and starts parading by the screen. Off camera, Teresa was holding a book or a piece of art, I don't know what it was, going across the screen, and Condi's pausing because he's overwhelmed a little bit with, with, you know, a little bit of laughter. But little did they know that in that moment, on the other side of a screen, miles away here, 
I experienced a transformation of heart. That donkey shook me deeply. I smiled, I was, I was so happy seeing it, but I was also embarrassed. I was embarrassed and ashamed. I was embarrassed for the ways that I had failed to see the opportunity to choose to have a perspective that was more hopeful, more confident. I was seeing gloom and doom, and they found a way to see joy. To be confident and hopeful in the midst of that difficult time. There's a difference there between that and what I talked about last week as toxic positivity, which is simply in the face of difficulty saying, oh, I'm fine and everything's great. There's a big difference. The difference here is that instead of spreading that fear or that anger or that frustration, it's taking and saying, what can I do in the midst of this? What can I do in the midst of this to to not stoke fear, but to maybe laugh or or to find a sense of, of a path forward, a calm? And so there's something, though, about the type of reaction that I had. A reaction that we don't necessarily control initially in that moment, but it's like our reactions to other things, to our reactions to the world around us, to our circumstances. You see, all of these reactions that we have, they reflect something about us. Those automatic reactions reflect something about us. Our reactions when we see horrible things happening in the world, like children, I've said this repeatedly, children who were the ones to to initially point us to a way that we could help in, in Ukraine. Our reactions when we are faced with challenges in our lives, in our church. Our reactions when we're swept up with the crowd. Do we echo what others say? Or do we stand up for the values we believe in? Our reactions in many ways are split-second. Our reactions are are quick. They're split-second decisions. They're, They're generated in many ways by inertia, right, or impulse. Someone says they're angry, I'm angry too. Someone says they're sad, I'm sad too. Someone says they're scared, I'm scared too. But a lot of it is also tied to our conditioning. How are we conditioned to respond to things going on around us? How are we conditioned to respond to change, to to challenges? And through self-examination, looking at ourselves, looking at our own lives, we can acknowledge those impulses and that conditioning. But then we can also seek to change ourselves, right? To change our conditioned way. For some people, it means knowing that when they get angry, they just need to cool down a little bit, and so they they step away. For some people, their initial reaction isn't necessarily the one that they want to be portrayed as having. But sometimes it takes a reconditioning of our impulses, seeking a new way. 
That's really what a church is all about. A church is all about being a place that helps us seek a new way. We talk about it in baptism, right? Washing away, changing, being transformed on the outside by this water, but on the inside by God, who helps us seek and find a new way. That's what Jesus was doing the minute he came to earth, was seeking to find a new way. And the church becomes this place where we seek to be ones who don't react to the world as the world reacts, but rather rather we react seeking to be ones who transform ourselves away from the impulses of the world, and we seek to be conformed to God's way of seeing the world. I've said this before, we practice the passing of the peace here so that we can go into the world and seek to be the ones who bring peace. We practice within these walls, and then we go out and we bring Christ out. In many ways, this is what Palm Sunday is about. It's about a procession, yes, a procession of people who get swept up in the emotion of the day, people who pick up their branches, and like I said, there are no branches in this morning's text, but there are in the other Gospels. But in this morning's text, like I said with the kids, they're taking off their their jackets, their cloaks, their clothes, their things of value, And they're impulsively throwing them to the ground for this stranger who is riding on a borrowed farm animal. These are strange reactions. It's a strange reaction that they have. They're they're swept up in the moment. They're singing a psalm. Psalm 118 is where the words come from. They're singing, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven. They're, They're passing the peace to one another. They're swept up in the moment as Jesus is making his way toward Jerusalem. Peace. They're bringing peace. They're declaring Jesus as this one who brings peace. Now, there's no accident here in the way that Jesus prepares and plans this procession. And we know there's some planning because he's given instructions to his disciples. But this procession doesn't look like what we'd expect from a royal parade. We, we have looked at this procession our whole lives and we know it doesn't look like a normal royal parade. I really do think donkeys are funny-looking animals. They're a little strange-looking. I like them, but they're funny-looking. And so when we think of a donkey, it makes me laugh still. It's even silly, especially silly, when compared with a regal horse. One of the reasons I love having a donkey at church on Palm Sunday is that it does bring to life this imagery of Jesus riding on this little animal. It takes it from our imagination into reality. But donkeys are hardworking animals, right? But we don't think of them as carrying royalty or leading a procession. Horses make more sense. And throughout biblical texts about kings, we actually see a lot of horses. There are a lot of horses in, uh, in history, in the Roman Empire, carrying, carrying rulers. But the prophet Zechariah, writes about the coming of a different type of king, a king who will come to bring peace, a king who will be stronger than ruling powers, and the prophet says that this new king will bring peace to the nations and free prisoners and restore the people. And Zechariah writes that this king will be triumphant and victorious, and this king will come humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. 
You see, this donkey in our gospel is about far more than transportation. Jesus wasn't tired and he wasn't lazy. No, Jesus was using this donkey to fulfill a prophecy that was written 500 years earlier. And the people had heard this before. This Palm Sunday procession, as Jesus was heading into his final days, it gave to all those people who were gathered this sign of of who he might be and what he was going to bring to the world. And they reacted in the moment by praising God and declaring that Jesus is the one to bring peace. While this other procession was happening on the other side of town, this one that was stronger, this one that looked as though it was going to dominate their lives, they say, oh, there's this one who's going to go up against it. Now, you can only imagine when he's going by on the donkey, if they're not thinking about the scripture, they wouldn't be following him, right? Because they wouldn't think there's any way that that, that kind of a king is going to conquer this military procession that's coming in. So maybe they're thinking, okay, maybe this will work. But there's a difficult reality here because Jesus is about to get arrested, Arrested kings have trouble bringing about victory. And so this same crowd, this same crowd that in this moment is willing to risk it and wave the palms and throw the cloaks, they're about to become convinced for whatever reason, out of fear perhaps, or maybe a further sense of another emotional tidal wave of the moment, they get swept up again, they become convinced that Jesus is now a threat. He's not that promised king. Perhaps it's the dashed hopes. They were, they were in love with him, but now he's going to be gone. So now, no, no, no. We need to realign ourselves with the one who's powerful. And so they abandon him. That's what will happen later this week. They'll abandon him. They'll turn on him. There's shouts of peace will be swapped, exchanged for shouts of crucify him. These are the same people. I sometimes wonder how this is possible. But then I think back to Palm Sunday a couple years ago, to my own anger, my reaction to the missing palms. Missing palms of peace and praise. And I think about how quickly those symbols and what they should have meant turned into a source for me. They turned into a source of a part of me that I would rather not admit even existed. But then there's also turning on a dime again, the conversion of heart that I experienced when a cartoonish drawing of a donkey passed before my eyes on the screen. You see, even in our failings, we have the opportunity for transformation. You see, Palm Sunday, in that moment, was about a choice for people. A choice between empire and peace. A choice between praising the God of heaven, following the God of creation, and following and submitting to the earthly powers. 
Palm Sunday is and was an opportunity to face Jesus and to face our own reality. Palm Sunday guides us into a week, this holy week, as a time to reflect on our own ways, on our own ways that we shift in our lives from waving palms of peace inside the church to walking out the doors and honoring the gods of anger, jealousy, the gods of self-righteousness, the gods of greed, the gods of fear, the gods of division, the gods of grudges. These are the gods that we often celebrate. The one we celebrate today, though, and the one we celebrate as Christians is this king. This king who comes humble and riding on a donkey. The king who brings peace even now, even to us, and the king who we seek to serve and follow. The king we seek to serve and follow. These are our challenges, serve and follow. There's trust involved in serving and following, and it can't be ignored. There's trust, and there's some risk, too. For us in this country, there is very little risk in coming to church. The biggest risk might be losing a little bit of sleep, right? There's very little risk. There's very little risk in a lot of what we do as a church, of the things we care about as a church. But when we're encouraged to not just be a church, but to be ones who trust and follow Christ, there is risk. It's a different risk for each of us. It takes shape differently, but there's risk because God has a way of disrupting our lives. God has a way of disrupting the comfort of our lives when we seek to be ones who on a daily basis seek to be ones who follow Christ. Just ask the disciples. Especially those ones Jesus sends to get the donkey from the farmer. He tells them, go take it. Go take it. And they're probably uncomfortable asking for the donkey. I can just imagine the scene, right? But in a few days' time, think about that farmer again. That farmer is going to know what happened and what that donkey was. But also think about those disciples, right? Because as much as they might have experienced some difficulty in dropping their nets and following Jesus, as much as they experienced difficulty following Jesus throughout the land when Jesus was being, being, um, being told that he was doing things wrong, when there were people standing up to him, when religious leaders were shaking their heads and the disciples were still following, when they were going into villages and, and upending things and changing the course, all of these things were, were hard. They were risky for the disciples. But all of that is nothing compared to what will happen to them later in in what we mark in this coming week, right? And then beyond, because beyond Easter, most of them will lose their lives because of the church. That's risk, right? That's the ultimate risk, if we look at it, the ultimate risk. But beyond risk... The other thing that happens when you follow Christ, beyond the risk, beyond all the cost of discipleship, the cost of following 
Jesus. Beyond all of that, the other thing that happens is that Christ involves you. Christ involves you in God's story. Christ involves you in this revolution, the revolution of peace, the revolution of love, the revolution that was started when God became human and walked among and with humanity. And when God was among us as a king, a king who who is said to be the one who will wipe every tear from every eye. God involves you in the story like the people waving their palms or laying down their coats or giving up their donkey or shouting the words from Psalm 118, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, crying out blessings of peace. You see, even these crowds, these crowds who are going to go through their own tumultuous days, these crowds are important. The people who come along for the ride, who grab the simple green branches, they matter. Jesus needs them. The Lord needs them. Without the donkey, we don't have prophecy fulfilled. On Palm Sunday, we celebrate Jesus for sure, but we also celebrate the coming kingdom of peace. What Jesus is is saying that he is bringing to this world. And we're called to be ones who pick up the palms and wave them. Participating in the work of Jesus to bring about peace. Peace in our world, peace in our families, peace in our schools, peace in our neighborhoods, our cities, our country. And to bring the good news of the one who is the Prince of Peace. We have a place in this story You have a place in this story, this ongoing story of who Jesus is and God's interaction with humanity. You have a place in the story and your job and my job and the job of the church is to work to understand what that looks like and how we'll live into being the ones that the Lord needs. And Holy Week presents us with a stark contrast and brings into focus the very reality that we are called into this confusing life as followers of Christ, where it's not always logical and it isn't always easy. Sometimes it takes a donkey, whether on a Zoom screen or outside on a cold spring morning, sometimes it takes a donkey to shift our perspective In so many ways, it's easier to follow the inertia of a world that doesn't seek peace. But our calling as Christians is to follow the one who is that Prince of Peace, the one who endures human pain and loss and ultimately experiences death to bring peace on the other side of the empty tomb. This is the one we follow, the one we seek to serve, the one who brings us peace, and the one who invites us to share that peace with others, the peace of Jesus. Jesus says to his disciples, tell the owner of the donkey. He asks, tell the owner of the donkey, the Lord needs it. We know nothing about that owner. What we know is that Jesus rode on his donkey fulfilled prophecy on that donkey. The owner listened. 
The owner untied the donkey. He trusted and he took a risk. Friends, the invitation to us today is to do likewise. For you to do likewise with your life. Offer yourself and your life to Christ anew and again. The Lord needs it. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.